You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Park the sound at your favorite Tar Heel voice. Welcome to Locked On Tar Heels. What's up, everybody? As always, it's a great day to be a Tar Heel. I'm your host, Keenis Cooper. I'm happy to have you rocking with me today. Do yourself a favor, download and subscribe to the podcast from anywhere. You can also join the fun via Twitter by following at Locked On Heels or me personally at Candice D. Cooper. Here's what I have on tap for you today. What happened over the weekend despite no game? Let's talk about some pro heels who are doing excellent things per usual. Will we see Carolina play on the 26th? I'll have that answer for you on today's show. That's black male host Brendan Whitted, my former co-host for uh, Sports Shop, and he also is my current co-host. Sometimes when we feel like having an episode of Out of My League, stops by the show to talk to me about the overall landscape of college sports and these athletes and how all of the pandemics that we are experiencing right now have been rather stressful and what does it really mean for these student athletes. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Was anyone else super bummed that we didn't see the Tar Heels get their second win of the season? Despite not playing, Carolina did move up a spot in the top 25 AP polls to number 11. How long will it last now that the SEC is starting this weekend and the Big Ten will see some fall action? Time will only tell. How do you measure a team off one game and then two weeks off? You know, we talked, Coach Bateman said, Week two game is always the deciding factor of how you can really predict a team will do throughout the season. Unfortunately, we didn't get that chance with Charlotte to show the improvements from the Syracuse game. So it's a little frustrating, I'm sure, for both coaches and players to not be able to keep that momentum rolling. It's as if the team has to start over and be judged off their season opening performance, which we all know wasn't stellar. We all know there was a lot of bumps in the road. Our campaign for Sam Howell getting the Heisman was definitely called into question off of his Syracuse performance and so having him dominate Charlotte would have been great however we didn't get that opportunity but to me the way the committee will be judging bodies of work this year is beyond me I don't know how you try and put together who's going to make a college football playoff if you even have it why do you have it it's teams are starting in October some teams started in September and late September it's all just you know a cluster but Carolina knows clusters very very well, don't we? Brendan Wood is set to talk to me next here on Locked on Tar Heels. All right, up now on Locked on Tar Heels podcast, we've got Brendan Witted, reporter and NBA guru. He's talking about Carolina, and he just happens to be a UNC Tar Heel fan. But more importantly, we have shared the stage a couple times, um, been on a couple shows together, but we have this podcast out of my league that we've done first. It's kind of like a cross podcast show today. Brendan, how are you? Doing really well. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's NBA playoffs, it's Eastern Conference Finals. I'm 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 excited. This is this is my excited face. Well, do you think that current uh, Laker and former Tar Heel Danny Green will show up in this series? Oof, boy, he has been uh, in witness protection for most of the playoffs. Um, yes, I would like to say he kind of got it going a little bit more uh, towards the, towards the end of the Lakers last series. He finally started to be able to lock in. And, and that's his thing, right? He's a 3 and D guy. And you want to put a lot of those guys around LeBron considering what type of distributor he is. I want to say that he's going to show up. And it's important that he does because the Nuggets have uh, a 
couple of emerging stars. I think the Lakers will take it in six, but it's going to be a fun series. Indeed. And I know that because the Tar Heels are all over in the pro world, but more importantly, talking about college sports a bit, it's been crazy. <laughs> Carolina was supposed to play on Saturday, but Charlotte didn't have the depth to compete, so the game got canceled. Now we're seeing all over with the Big 12, Houston and Baylor were supposed to have a game. And SEC just came out with a new plan where guys had to meet a certain, schools had to meet a certain criteria in order to either have the game, you can either man up and play down if you don't have a 53 scholarship roster, or you can forfeit and postpone for the next time. So there's just so many different possibilities going on in college sports. How are you feeling about these guys playing in this pandemic? So it's weird. And, and there are times if you're working in sports media, you know this, cool where you have to kind of, especially as black people working in sports media, you have to kind of take a step back and see what's pop. Um, it is difficult to see largely white administrators send these young black men out into the middle of a pandemic in order to make these white people money. It's very, very difficult because ultimately they're, they're the, the, the the people taking the highest risk aren't in the in, in the rooms where they're making these decisions so when you see the big 10 reverse course or you see the ACC or the SEC decide to to, to play these games it's without a lot of us and I understand Kevin Warren's the, the the big 10 commissioner but ultimately it's a lot of presidents of universities making these decisions and we and people that look like us aren't in those aren't in those rooms. And so it, it makes it a lot more difficult, especially when you talk about like the fact that we don't even know the extent to what this this virus will do to us. And so you have a coach like Ed Orgeron, the head coach of LSU, talking about, oh, yeah, most of our guys have gotten it. Um, uh, hopefully they don't get it again. And then the second part of what he says, and I'm paraphrasing, but like the second part of what he says, is, I hope they don't miss games. I hope he understands that that's not the the, the extent of what. Of, of what the bad things could happen. You look at Jermaine Stevens, the defensive tackle out of a D2 school in Pennsylvania. He's 20 years old. Uh, he catches uh, COVID and then dies uh, weeks later of uh, a, a blood clot. And they're trying to figure out whether or not that is, that is due to that, mostly because we don't understand what this does to the heart and to the lungs of our bodies yet. This, this, this virus is so new that we don't understand fully what is happening. So we're sending these largely African-American males into this, this pandemic without really knowing what's going to happen. And it feels very, very uncomfortable uh, rooting on, watching, covering this sport, given, given the dynamics of what the organizations are that are sending them out there to. A hundred percent. Now, when you think about Mac Brown and how he's been pretty transparent about what Carolina and the ACC has done, I have argued that he is in the, the leader of the pack in terms of coaching. Like most of these coaches out here, man, we're not going to, you know, divulge who is playing this week or who's not. We don't want to give them competitive advantages. We heard that from Lincoln Riley. We've heard it from Dabo Swingy, guys like that. And to me, I'm just trying to understand what do you want out of a coach when you have a situation like this? Like guys to be fully transparent about who's available guys who've been close in contact with other guys as they prepare, you know, for their opponent for the week And with Charlotte kudos to them for being transparent. But what if they had just said, you know what, we're not just going to divulge in and we're just going to go with who we have and we're just going to have guys step up. How crazy would that have been if they, you know, affected UNC players? 
it could be extremely crazy. And like it, it, their coaches are in a, in a weird spot specifically because there, I mean, if you look at Colorado state, there, there, there has been reports of that. The coaches were telling them the players to downplay whether or not they were sick and what they were sick of. And if that's in a place like Colorado state, which is not, you know, Alabama, Florida state, it's not a big time sort of institution like that. Right. What is going on everywhere else? And that's the scary part, right? Like we're having to trust these people that are in a financial position to lie about it. Like that's, that's the, it's not just that they could lie about it. No, no, no. They are incentivized to lie about it so they can get more games so that more, so that it works better for their pocketbook. And so like, it's, I want to believe these people considering that the, the fact that they're supposed to be in some sort of like quasi parental sort of position, but the cynic in me, or just maybe the realist in me understands that that's not, that, that's, that's not what's going to happen in every sort of situation, every sort of uh, uh, every campus around the country. That's not always going to happen. So I want them to be transparent. Like transparency is, is paramount. They need to be transparent. They need to talk about what's going on on these campuses. See, that, that's, the dif- that's one of the differences between college and pro. With pro, you had the unions that made decisions that, hey, we're going to go into this bubble. We're going to go play these games in terms of the NFL. For colleges, the only people making these decisions are people that are financially incentivized to make them. And that's, that's the problem, and that's the issue. And there isn't enough people that are incentivized to speak up for these college athletes uh, to not play. And, and that's, the, that's my hesitancy. 100%. And final thoughts, you know, we talk about stick to sports mentality, but it seems as though in everywhere you turn, politics and sports are being integrated, but not necessarily in the let's combat racial injustice or police brutality or social, you know, unrest, more so we want to play, let the kids play. So yes, get behind the kids, you know, having our president tweet things out in support of making them play. And magically two weeks later, you can form a season and you have eight weeks to play eight games with no wiggle room. So how do you reconcile with the idea that people are on the one hand stick to sports, but stick to sports how I want you to stick to it? Like, how do you reconcile with people who kind of make that decision and kind of speak up in that regard? Well, it's like you said, it's stick to sports as long as, as long as your politics, like, cause there, there have always been politics in this thing. So like when you see the U S press secretary, uh, announcing that the Big Ten is going to play after and reversing course, there is an inherent political stance there. Like that, that cannot be questioned. And then when you look at the states that are going to be affected, the states like Ohio or Illinois or Pennsylvania, like those are those are the states that are swing states in a presidential election that's happening in November. So like it, we would be all fools not to recognize what that means in a national sort of conversation. And so this idea that that there is going to be oh we're we're just going to be sports we're not going to be political that that has never been the case. It is only the case when people that are speaking out largely minorities are speaking out about wanting their rights that's when it becomes an issue. And so it it if you are to address it in any sort of other way, you're doing so in a vacuum and without any sort of uh, attachment to reality. Absolutely. And I have to ask this question because Carolina and NC State are now allowing their parents to attend games at universities. You know, Governor Cooper had 
a little bit of a <laughs> feel good moment, I guess, let kids and their parents be able to watch. But there's been a lot of backlash from, you know, I would call them normal students. <laughs> and what, normal parents. What, did, what did you call them? No, what did you call them when you was at UNC? What y'all call them? Call them NARPs, normal, normal non-athletic regular people. Okay. Um, and so now when you talk about allowing these leeways and the loopholes, so you get to come to sporting events, but Johnny still can't, you know, run his business. He can't perform concerts. He can't make money in that regard. How much do people not acknowledge that sports really does have this uh, privilege and is it a privilege or, you know, are, should we have, I guess the governor be standstill, listen, it's not happening and hold the line there. Or can we give grace in the sense of, yes, while we're making these guys play, the least they can do is allow their parents. The idea of bring, like, I'm just going to take it away from sports. Okay. The idea of bringing a lot of people together and then bringing older people there is a bad one. Like it, all the things that we know about this disease, about this virus, is that it, those that are most susceptible are those that are older. Right. So the idea that we're not going to bring them here makes a lot of sense. So uh, Roy Cooper, uh, Governor Roy Cooper of North Carolina is saying, hey, we're going to allow that after reversing course is purely political, which makes sense, right? Like part of the reason that he's in the office that he's in is because previously after passing the bathroom bill, which, uh, which was about transsexuals being in bathrooms, yeah. he, he got there, right? In part because um North Carolina lost out on so much sports revenue and they, they you know NCAA tournament games not being there concerts not not uh artists no longer want to perform in North Carolina like those sorts of things got him in office so it's not crazy that he would be sensitive to that moving forward and so but if you're like the the easiest thing for me to do is hey if I'm playing would I want my uh my parents there no I wouldn't because those are potentially super spreader events and you look at uh louisiana the top uh louisiana uh, uh public health official is telling you hey we probably shouldn't be allowing fans in the stands at these lsu games right and so they will have fans in the stands uh coming in saturday uh, coming on saturday but there he's telling you hey 150 to 250 people are going to have covid there and if considering what we saw at, Let's look at the Florida State game. People were taking their mask off. They were just comfortable. Yeah. Because it feels a lot like normal. Right. And so you have these potential super spreader events where it's going to affect not only the people in that town or in that city, but everywhere across that state. Because you don't necessarily have to be in Baton Rouge to go to an LSU game. Right. You can be in Freeport. You can be all over the place. You can be in New Orleans. You can be all over the place. And so if they're if the public health officials are telling you, hey, this is a potential deadly sort of super spreader event and you're still having it, then that means that capitalism reigns. That means that me wanting to get reelected reigns. Like those sorts of things are being taken into account over medical. And that's disappointing. And that's really scary because as much as I love sports like the next reporter, I don't want it to be at the expense people's lives <laughs> i already think it's too much with the kids actually playing but then when you talk about spectators who are of an age where they could be at high risk it's just too much it's really stressful for me if what what's what's the phrase if you give them an inch they'll take them out and that's so ahead, <laughs> right, we, we, we're just gonna have a couple games all right we're gonna have we're just gonna have conference games all right no no we're just gonna get the parents in 
no, no, no. We're just going to have 25 to 50% of the, you see how this is going. Right. You see how this is going across the country. Folks are going to want to get back to normal as soon as possible. I get it. I feel you. That's not how the virus goes. You yeah. can't negotiate with this. This is not a political issue. As much as people want to make it one, you can't make it a political issue. You can't negotiate. You can't You can't gerrymander uh, COVID. And that's what folks are trying to do. And it's like, all right, bet money. Like, if you like to do this, that's fine. But I think that this country and there's and, there's, and our higher percentage of deaths worldwide will let you know you can't do that. So was the ACC and SEC and Big 12 smart for always not jumping the gun or not going too soon and shutting it all down? Or was the Pac-12 and Big 10, they should have stuck to their guns and said no without this kind of political pressure? So we'll see, right? But like some, like the Pac-12, for instance, those are a lot of West Coast schools. Sure. And since we're talking about politics, that's a lot of uh, leftist uh, blue states particularly with California, right? You're not going to, you're not going to move that anyway, regardless of whether or not you have football, that's going to be blue. And that's going to be a lot of electoral votes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's unfortunate that we've gotten there, but that's where we're at. And, and so the big 10, as I mentioned earlier, the big 10 is a lot of swing states. You have Michigan, you have Illinois, you have Ohio. Like those are like Michigan was a, was a, was a, was a very closely contested state in the present presidential election so it's not surprising that that's going to get caught up in all of this to me it's a little crazy that we're even doing any of this like i thought spring sports <laughs> might be a little bit of a conversation depending on where we are where we're now we're plateauing and, and all this other stuff with the pandemic that's going outside which i cannot stress enough we're right at two hundred thousand people that that yeah. have perished from this and and so many more that have lost jobs and 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 that have been perhaps irreparably damaged because again we yeah. don't super know the extent to which those people have been sick but it's it's a it's a lot easier to do that because november's rolling right up and this has been a politicized issue and it's going to continue to be i just hope that everyone is as safe as possible if you're going to these games please wear a mask wash your hands avoid other people like i mean if they're going to do it, just, I mean, I guess, I guess folks are going to do it, but it, it is very, very difficult because the alternative is if something really bad happens, everyone's going to be shrugging their shoulders and shaking their heads. And I can't believe this happened, even though they had all the writing on the wall. And that's, that's tough to deal with. A hundred percent. I definitely see Keenan Stadium being at close to, if not at capacity by the end of the, when it's all said and done, like that's just where I feel like we're at now. Like they're pretty soon going to be like, whatever, I just come back. Hell, you know, it is what it is, but we'll keep our eyes peeled for that. Brendan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Remind folks of where they can follow you and all of your work. Absolutely. Uh, at H U Cosell on Instagram and Twitter. That's a H U C O S E L L or H U Cosell.com of the same spelling uh, to catch my written work. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Make sure you follow, download, subscribe to Locked on Tar Heels podcast. You can download from anywhere. Leave me five stars. Make sure you tell me how much you love listening to me every single day. Did anyone catch the Lakers Nuggets game last night? I think Danny Green felt the conversation between me and Brendan and decided to step up a bit. Shout out to Anthony Davis for a game winning three, 105-102 Lakers versus Nuggets now going up 2-0 and 
hell, I don't know. The Nuggets like to be down, but I don't know if you can be down against a Lakers team that is on a mission. LeBron James and company seem to be rolling and have their eyes set on that conference or not championship final, and they are certainly doing that. <laughs> it's another week of no Tar Heels on the gridiron, but I still have stories from you in other pro heels. We had Eric Ebron winning big for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You had Mitch Trubisky, who is 2-0, and and I would love to break that down and have that conversation this week because was it Mitch really that was the reason why the Chicago Bears are 2-0 or it was, you know, the other side of the ball, Khalil Mack and his amazing talents. We'll find out more as the week progresses and we'll talk through some of our pro heels. We also saw Trey Boston, the Carolina Panthers, struggle a bit. And man, oh man, let's talk about the love and hate relationship everyone seems to have with Trey Boston. But you got to download, subscribe, leave me five stars, like I said. Follow on Twitter at Locked on Heels or me personally at Candace D. Cooper. The priceless gym as you head into your Monday. Be smart. <laughs> Wear your mask. Stay socially distant. I hope you have a great day. And as always, go Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.